Okay, boys and girls, odds and ends and friends, welcome to the Sport Project Podcast. I always, always nearly get that wrong, Sash. You do, mate, you do. But look, it's glad to be back. I've had a few weeks on the sidelines, haven't I? You have, mate. Been away, a uh, bit of work here and there, and uh, yeah. obviously you, you've been busy uh, doing what you do in your normal job, so it's been always difficult to get here. But here we are, mate, round 21. It's gone quick, hasn't it? It's gone quick. And we've oh, changed yeah. the structure here and there, but ultimately the, uh, the the actual podcast itself has been getting some really good reviews. So make sure you definitely subscribe and share. And, you know, if you've got any feedback, then bring it in. So our show today, we're going we're gonna to do a bit of an intro. We're going to talk about uh, what we've been up to over the last week. Uh, we're going to get into golf, uh, soccer, or football. Oh, my favourite subject. Your favourite subject. We're going to talk rugby union, we're going to talk NRL, and maybe, if we've got a bit of time, talk some boxing. We're also going to have a phone-in. Uh, we don't know who it is, so he'll have to introduce himself, uh, but always good to have guests on the line. So, mate, you and Smither, well, there's only me and you. Where's Smither? I don't know, mate. I think, I think he got on the bloody frothy. He's at lunch, and he just hasn't made it. Well, he said to me he was going for a boozy lunch, and I should come. And then uh, been trying to phone him, and I can't get hold of him. Uh, Renee, <laughs> we all know we know where we know where Renee is. Renee's working, yeah. which uh, you know, make it working hard to make a living. Chris needs a job. Well, is yeah, he he does. Does. you'll always say that he has a job, but really, mm. really, the life of a model, stroke presenter, stroke uh, plastic face um, and veneer head. <laughs> uh, you know, I'd I'd love that job. How much did he say? How much did he pay you to say that he was a model? Have a go of the head on him. It's well, like he, he does model. He team. models trucks. <laughs> yeah, on his face. No, we love Far him, mate. Out, we but love look, him. we did. Uh, we did go. Went to Cairns for the Cairns Cup. So um, the Cairns Jockey Club had us up there. Yeah. And mate, what a good event! Like we've been to Ranwick races, Melbourne Cup, and that type of stuff. But this was a real good country event. Um, everyone was friendly. They bent over backwards for us. Um, if anyone is watching this, which you're not because it is a podcast, Carlo is pretending to suck a penis. No, I'm and not. And it's real awkward for I, us right I now because it's just us two. <laughs> um, but they well, really – Paint a picture for us, though. So, like, picnic yeah. races type thing? Or? It is. It's like a picnic race. So you walk in. It's like a close-knit community. Everyone knows everyone. Yeah. Um, everyone was so friendly. Like, they were so happy to be there. Um, everyone was in good spirits. There was no fights that I was seeing. Um, you know, we've got a helicopter in there. Yes. Nautilus Aviation, hashtag Nautilus Aviation. Yeah, and, um, yeah, so we got a flight in there, uh, went to the races. We judged fashions of the field. I know you're looking at me going, Sash, you are a fashionista. No, but, you had um, a dicky bow, didn't you? Yeah, I did. <laughs> oh, you had a bow of dicks on your neck. Um, one or the other. Yeah. But, uh, you, so you looked, I didn't uh, you looked very, very dapper, you and the smith. Yeah, no, it was good, mate. So um, went there. We judged fashions of the field. It's Jesus, a bloody hard job judging fashions of the field, especially for the women. They get so dressed up. Yeah. We're getting death threats walking out of there going, yeah. Like, what was, do you know what I would have been saying? How bad do you want this? <laughs> Carlos, I can't say that anymore because I may or may not have a girlfriend. Oh, well, listen, it's a bit of an exclusive, that, so we won't, we won't discuss it because mm. then we'll have all the publications onto us and you'll probably get followed all the time, so we'll leave yeah. that one there. Her name's Russell. <laughs> He's a good bloke. 
But um, yeah, it was a good day. Chris and I won a fair bit of cash. We um got the old Labrokes account up and yep. running, and um just put random bets on random horses, not only out the track but everywhere else, and we um come up winners. Nice. So nice. it's always good to have a win. Did, doesn't he piss you off though, Chris? When he like he could wear a black bin liner and I'm, I'm pull it off. It's uh, it's hard. It's hard going out with him. God, I feel like wallpaper when I go out with him. Everyone yeah. just goes, "Who's that bloke next to the beautiful Christmas?" Yeah, they were they were asking me, "Sorry, how do you, how do you fit in?" And I was well, firstly, I was the bloke who won RBT. Do you win RBT? You just blow high range. <laughs> I said, secondly, I'm his manager. And they'd go, oh, how do I book him in for events? And we'd like, I said, I'll give him your number. Yeah, yeah, you just say, give me, if you got to pay me first, and I'll, and I'll siphon it off to him. Uh, but yeah, it seems like a really good one. And, I, well, sorry, while I was there, though, yeah. I actually missed the city to surf. Oh, you did? Well, you did, definitely, because I, I did it. Yeah, I oh, know, I just thought of that then. Yeah, well, it wasn't a great, I don't know, I, I only did it after talking to Tommy Burgess, and he inspired me that much. To actually put my runners on and, and, and walk the walk the course with Sam and the Burgess clan, you know, and it was for a really good cause. So after we, we did the show last Wednesday, I signed up on the Thursday. Now, you know, I couldn't, I didn't have enough time to do as much fundraising as, as I would like, but I got three hundred dollars um, for a great cause in fight MND. And for those those of the listeners who aren't aware, the Burgess clan lost their father uh, to MND when when uh, the boy the twins were quite young, and so was Sam. So I, I you know, and we're, we're all quite close, um, and it was really good to actually do the course, and we had so much fun, Sash. Like yeah. we were dancing with the band. Like so, what what happened is that Sam started it, and then in between there was like three different starts or four different starts: wheelchair runners, and so forth and so forth. Anyway, after the second one. They said, you might as well get going. So we just had the course to ourselves, and we was running, we was walking, we was full of life. And then about two Ks in, it was like, wow, this is getting a little bit hard. <laughs> we seen a band, like it must have been the Salvation Army band on the side. Yeah. And we'll go over. And I said, yeah, watch this. So I was like the life, you know, the entertainment. I went, right, does anyone know Bob Dylan? And they all got up and started just playing Sweet 16. Did they really? <laughs> yeah, and just started dancing with us. It was, <laughs> it was brilliant. And, you know, Sam walked, uh, the, the Burgess and everyone, uh, they walk the whole course and it was amazing to see and I've known Sam for a while and he always stops for every photo and even when people were running they're like can we have a selfie and I just said I'll take it for you I had a GoPro on my head and you know we was we was doing all the footage uh it was just it was just a great great event and really well done and what was what was like afterwards because I seen some pictures and the vibe was just out of control it was brilliant mate like it was so much fun like it was a great event it would it would have been great to have been on a Saturday really you know like yeah because then everyone can have a real good good hit and have a few sherbets but I think um, it it was great I we talked to so many people around the course and after the course about you know people doing it for the farmers there was a bloke in a full dryser bone full hat and, hot. and proper work boots, and yeah. he was running the course like it was amazing. Yeah, and it was okay. really funny about uh, going about the tenth k. Me and Sam come around the corner because we made sure that we danced. We, you know, we made an event of it and we had fun with everyone. So we were we, we were having a dance at every station. They had these dance stations, and me and Sam would stop and have a dance. After one dance station, we ran around the corner, and there was a load of uh, farmers on Hale say support our farmers, and they're all 
drinking frothies. So me and Sam went, watch this. We ran over. Went, have you got a frothy for us? They gave us a frothy. We schooled it and just kept on running. <laughs> it was brilliant. Mate, brilliant. if anyone's seen Carlo dance, it is horrible. You're like a duck on a hot plate, no, no, mate. No, 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 no. Obviously, you've not seen a bald man move like me. I've got snake hips. I've seen a bald man <laughs> naked, and I have seen your snake. You're right. Whoa, but I have whoa, not whoa. seen you dance. No further questions, you're not. <laughs> Uh, the Sport Project Podcast, here all week. Yep. Subscribe, like, listen, share it with your friends. Do all that. Okay. What we're going to do is we're going to go into to golf. Mm. Okay. Um, Brant, Brant, I always get this name wrong, Brant Snedeker is leading the Wyndham Championship. That's that's an event on its own, but Brant Snedeker shoots a round of 59, sub 60. 59? How many people 59. have done that? I think there's only nine ever that have done it. That's Nine out of control. Ever. What is that, like birdie every hole or something, is it? Well, apparently he bogeyed the first two, but he kind of eagled a few. I think he eagled a few, and a majority were birdies. He actually he actually eagled one off a chip. Probably it went straight in, straight into the hole. Didn't bounce straight into the hole, and it damaged the hole. They had to recut another hole. Really? A metre away, yeah. That's crazy. Crazy, yeah. Um, Chris and I played golf, actually, up in Cairns. We had a golf tournament on Friday. Now, look, I don't like to give this bloke compliments because he gets enough from everyone else, but the bloke can play golf. Pisses you off. Oh, I just wanted, there's nothing he's good at. I just, Sport biller. I just wanted to grab that golf club and wrap it around his veneers. Of his, <laughs> you know, he is a good golfer. He's big, filthy. I have, to, I have to work with him to get two holes uh, – sorry, two shots every hole. Because that's the only way I can challenge him. You, I've, I know you're – I've heard about your golfing prowess, right? You hit it in the bush, next minute you got the bloody foot wedge out and you're kicking it on the fairway, mate. No, I, I don't know what you're on about. But, mate, that bloke can play golf, like, yeah, honestly. And we had a really good day. We were, we were playing with two blokes we didn't even know. Mm. First hole, I undid their bags on the back of the buggy and they drove off in their ba- bags. Yeah, I've seen the that. I've seen the video of it. Oh, dear, that set the precedence for the day. And then the next hole, one of the boys didn't make it past the ladies' tee, so we had to take it his – yeah, he had to take his pants down and hit it nude. And then one of the other blokes um, broke his club and threw it in the uh, water. It was Well, we won. We won the golf tournament. I don't, I don't know how. how. I don't know well, how. Was it Mickey Mouse golf? I don't know how. But I got Logan's drive too, so. Well, just on the, still on the golf, obviously there's been a bit of a tinge of bad news as well. You know, uh, and again, we, we pride ourselves on the funny parts of, of sport here at the Sport Project. But unfortunately, Jared Lyle, a very good friend of uh, myself and... Uh, and Chris's unfortunately passed away um, on Thursday, so the day after we did the show. So we we, we talked about him going into palliative care. Uh, unfortunately, um, he lost his fight uh, on on the Thursday, um, and obviously he's pay, he will be have a, a private burial, and then he'll have a, a memorial in Torquay Golf Club on the 27th uh, of September. So uh, Smithy and I will will get ourselves down that. But an amazing man. I know a lot's been said about him. Uh, in and around. It's just amazing to watch the tribute. So, you know, all the major golfers did a personal tribute, you know, yeah. especially the Aussies. But the, the the like the one that really got me was Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Sends him a tribute. Really? And I'm just going, you know, this is yeah. this is how how important uh, or, or how much of a string that he twanged with people. Jared, he was yeah. just such a, a very happy-go-lucky person, and you know, I'll never forget the smile, I'll never forget the laughter. I really, me and Chris were quite taken back. You know, obviously, I stayed at Chris's after the show, so I was at Chris's working away, and we got the news, and and you know, we just literally had a bit of a quiet cry, and you know, as you do with anyone that you probably know quite well. 
So that was a tough time, and, and I know he'll be survived by Brianna, uh, Lucy, and Gemma, who are obviously his family and his girls. And you know, we we just send our hearts to them. Yeah, look, I didn't, I didn't know the bloke, but like you said, he seemed like a happy-go-lucky fella. Um, you know, he he fought it a couple of times, or this is his third yeah, time. Yeah, seventeen wasn't it? in his in his teens, in his twenties, and then and then obviously, I was with him a year ago uh, with the Australian Open, and just to when he told me, he said he's come back again, and I'm going to fight it. I, I didn't actually think that we would lose him. You know, yeah. I just said, don't worry, get through what you got to do, and I'll come down to Turkey and I'll do some training with you, and you know, uh, and I know he really. He really loved it when when people came to see him, and me and Chris went to see him over Christmas, and went to the hospital uh, when he when he did his bone marrow transplant, and it can you can see the light in his face. So yeah, a real difficult time for for everyone, especially people who knew him. But again, we've we've lost probably one of, one of the good people, and and that's that's always difficult. Yeah, well, thoughts and uh, prayers to the family and friends at this time. So that's right. All right, um, on to soccer now, Sport Project Podcast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Sport Project Podcast. And Carlo, in the break, you've told me some exciting news. Here I am going to start the, the podcast again with a at the TSP Podcast. Yeah. And I've looked at the podcast um, Instagram username and it's changed. Yeah, I changed it. Talk me through it. Well, I was sick of everyone going, <laughs> why are we going the, the? So I just said, right, I'm going to change it. So I took the out of it and now it's just the T- at TSP Podcast. There you go, guys. Like it. Bloody comment on our stuff, but it's at TSP Podcast correctly now. That's it. I developed the last one. I'm going to put my hand up there. Yeah, Take no, full responsibility. Uh, no further questions, Your Honour. <laughs> All right, and on to the next subject yeah. um, and your favourite subject and one of my least favourite subjects yes, of correct. soccer. Soccer, headball, football. You don't mind a bit of headball. No, I love it. Well, a lot's, lots happened, actually, here in Australia at the moment, so we'll, we'll just cover that off. Obviously, we've had... Is David the, Beckham playing again? <laughs> I, do you know what? He probably could. He's as fit as a fiddle. And he's he, a good-looking rooster, isn't he? He is a good-looking... He's got a good-looking rig, hasn't Fuck he? old kill to look like that, eh? What? Full of tats? <laughs> oh, mate, I don't just, care. Look just, at his head. Just go down to Bondi, he's get it done. Mint, I'll go in he? prison. Hey, listen, man, I'm starting to talk like an Englishman. Oh, he's mint, isn't he? Oh, mint, yeah. isn't he? Oh, yeah, so uh, the Stephen Lowe, obviously Frank Lowe's son. Yeah, who's good mate of mine. Massive been, been massive in restructuring soccer or the FFA, yeah. um, has stood down. Like It's really, really weird because they, you're talking about a family who've really lifted the sport to, to the highest level they could probably do it. And then after the last three years, it seems that there's a perception of they've probably not, they've, they've not allowed progress to, to go any further now this is so weird about six months ago FIFA came in and actually removed the board and stood in uh, because of non-governance now FIFA wouldn't do that if they thought that there was any kind of uh, real problem so you know it's a bit of a cloud to be hung, hung over uh, Stephen Lowe and I think that he's just had enough but again you know it questions as well if David Gallup is going to be still around as, as the, the head of the game or as the head administrator of the game. Now, we all know in rugby league, David Gallup, I think, did an amazing job for rugby league. Yeah, and I agree. Think, and I think we are missing him, to be totally honest. Todd Greenberg's doing the best he can, but I, I, I think uh, I think them big decisions which Gallup made in the early days in, uh, in his NRL career um, have, been, have been brilliant. And I think... Uh, we are we're, we're actually changing the game significantly, and it's having a major effect on, on our followership. 
So yeah, that's that's happened. Obviously, also signings. Adam Lafondra. Now you're not going to be off a with, with that name, but he had a, a, a big career in the UK. Played Premier League. He's an English lad, um, and he ended oh, up Lafondra. Lafondra, yeah. Yeah, no, I never heard of him. Knew you were going to do that. Why did I just accept it? <laughs> he but, bit. He bit. I love it. But but the the thing is, he's now signed for Sydney FC. Now he's not a marquee player because he's over thirty, but. He will definitely bring some some skill and pizzazz uh, to the the Sydney FC side. So, um, yeah, talking about bringing stuff to the game, yeah. what's your thoughts on Usain Bolt and the Central Coast Mariners? Like, he, yeah. I think, and this is my opinion, I think the Central Coast Mariners would be mad not to take him on board purely mm. for jersey sales and for attendance. Well, we alone. We, we discussed it last week. With, oh, did you? Yeah, we, no, no, it's good though because I, I think now he's landed. It, it brings a different edge to it. Like he's he's fully committed to the cause, and, and so he should be. Like he's a sportsman, uh, professional. <clears throat> Chris and Renee oh, were saying, "Oh, it's rubbish! It's rubbish!" You know, you, it's making the mockery of the game. But listen, if you can lift the profile of the game, Correct. if you can sell shirts. And to be honest, I've got. I think the bloke has, has trained with Manchester United, Juventus, Borussia Dortmund. These are not. These are the three. One of the three biggest clubs in Europe. So mm. if he can actually just train with them and keep it, you know, do do all right, then why not the A League and why couldn't he do it here? And I think he he's, he's, he wants to do it because he wants to prove everyone wrong. So I, I think there's a bit in the the teeth with Usain Bolt, and I think. Yeah. Everyone doesn't think that he'll get a game. Uh, I, I, I think otherwise. I think if he can prove himself and okay. prove, prove himself in the reserves, that he'll get, he will get a game. Uh, and I think I, I, I hope he does well. But yeah. yeah, definitely marketing. And if marketing works, it works, doesn't it? Yeah, that's it, hundred percent. So the EPL started on the weekend, which is very exciting. So exciting. <laughs> but with wait. the, but with the EPL and the, the World Cup. Like a lot of the a lot of the major teams rest the stars because they've gone right. Well, you've had it more or less. They play like sixty or seventy games a year if they're in a good side, as well as the World Cup. So they're very conscious of that. And I think um, we'll talk about the Arsenal game. So Arsenal at home is the first time that they've not had Arsene Wenger since the eighteen hundreds. So uh, really, if but, they don't have Arsene Wenger anymore, no, was, no. I think it was twenty-two years. Is that right? Did I hear Something that right? Like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like nineteen ninety-six. Well, that's like Sir Alex Ferguson for Manchester yeah. United. Now he was just the name, Arsene Wenger for um, Arsenal. That was yeah. that's what it was. Well, so was, who's the new manager? The, uh, the new manager, I don't know his name, but he's come from <laughs> he's, come, he's come from Paris Saint Germain. Uh, so yeah, he's is that a um Paris. a cologne? <laughs> what is that? That's Yves Saint Laurent. Oh. But I like the way you're thinking. So Paris Saint Germain are probably one of the strongest French teams, and he's come across for, from them. And again, it's going to take him time to actually put his stamp. On, on the game uh, with the club and these players have come through Arsene Wenger so he needs time to adjust now they got beat off Manchester City again Manchester City are flying at the moment they're, well, they're just it's like they've never skipped a beat and to be honest just to give a little bit of stick they probably didn't have half the, half the players because of, they were all representing the World Cup so yeah. it's like a second string side and they beat Arsenal at Arsenal 2-0 now, one of the major concerns of that is Kevin De Bruyne. Now, again, he's, he looks like he's got a knee injury and could have a, a really lengthy sideline. So, um, you know, long term, can Manchester City maintain it? Uh, they've proven that they can, and they've got really good players in the wings. So, you know, that's an interesting one. Manchester United win against Leicester 2-1, um, and Liverpool uh, atop of the league, and they, be, they beat West Ham 4-0.
So That's obviously, a crazy lo- score. Loads, loads of other. Um, um, I think Everton and Wolverta- Wolverhampton Wanderers who are new to the Premier League also drew one all. So um, just it's out there and it's starting to play. But sorry, it's my alarm because I just fell asleep listening to this. So fucking boring. Mate, shut up. Shut it. <laughs> Mate, it's, uh, it's on. The light is on and flashing for the masses. Love your work, Carlo. Thank you very much for the soccer update. There this is go. the Sport Project podcast. Again, our Instagram has changed. It is at TSP podcast. Add us, like us, comment on us, and comment on how poorly that segment just went for soccer. Welcome back to the Sport Project Podcast. Carlo, thank you for that very boring session on sure soccer. It. Sure it. Now, to bring us back, we have a very special guest. Who we? is it? Who have hey, we okay. got? Who have we got? Legends, Tim Franklin here. Uh, part-time lawyer, part-time business person, part-time ultramarathoner, part-time triathlon coach, and absolute lightweight on the drink. <laughs> we would be if you're an ultra runner. You're about 56 kilos, aren't you? What's that, though? I said you would be, um, be being an ultra runner. You'd be about 56 uh, kilos. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm probably a bit heavier than the than the norm, but, uh, but uh, yeah, there's not. I, I get skinnier by the day, I think. Mate, that's quite the resume. You, you've gone part-time lawyer. You've gone ultra marathon runner. Yeah. You've gone basically a triathlete as well. And coach. And coach. Can you talk us through all this? Like, mate, you've got an amazing story. Can you talk us through it? Uh, yeah, uh, I've tried to cram a lot into the 30-odd years I've been on the planet. Um, I guess I, I guess back at the start, um, I was a hefty a hefty lad growing up. I put, um, put a fair bit of weight on through high school, uh, lived a relatively unhealthy lifestyle, a lot of drinking, a lot of eating, partying, smoking, dabbled in some experimental substances through uni. Drugs are um, bad, I'm going. <laughs> and then, uh, and then at about, uh, about 10 years ago, I decided that enough's enough and I need to, uh, to get healthy and get fit uh, or I'm going to uh, end up in the grave far earlier than what I'd hoped. So I think I maxed out at about 115 kilos. A buck 15, Jesus. Um, and... Uh, and then um, started, started a very slow journey then. I think I went for my first run. It was about two kilometres, and it was the most painful thing I've ever done in my life. And, um, but it, uh, I fell in love with running, and I fell in love with the idea of being fit and the idea of, you know, wanting more out of life. And, uh, and ever since then, it sort of hasn't stopped. And uh, I've just gone into triathlons and gone into endurance events, so... You know, Ironmans and then multi-day triathlons and then multi-day ultra marathons and got into coaching. I just I love that side of it. I love people going on that same journey that I sort of went on. So I, I really like working with people that are new to exercise or people that want to make a change and they, they hopefully see the passion that I have for it in my eyes. And that sort of, I don't like to use the word inspire, but it can motivate or I want them to aspire to be better. So I guess that's how it's all rolled into me being today, sitting at about, I think I sit at about 75 kilos. Wow, what a, what an amazing story. Amazing like, story. And I, um, 
I know Tim. I actually met Tim a few weeks back on one of um, a fitness escapes, which we'll get to um, in a bit. But um, mate, when he gets on the track, he can bloody he can bloody run. The old getaway sticks get a good old workout. Well, I, I just um, I just want one of the achievements that you didn't mention. Well, you probably did a little bit. Um, I was doing a bit of research on you, Tim, and it said he smoked, drank, and partied through his late teens and twenties. Is that a fair yeah. assumption? Yeah. It was, it's crazy, eh? You, and then you said you put on that weight as a result. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, why? Well, um, my yeah. I mean, that was. I think it all started when I went to a school that had a five day a week tuck shop. It's <laughs> um, so, always so the tuck shop. It gets so such mum, a bad rap. Yeah, yeah mum would make me lunch, um, and I'd eat that at morning tea, and then I'd use my paper round or my part time job money. And I go and raid the tuck shop every lunch hour. And Tim, you were telling me a story two weeks ago, and you touched briefly on it. Can you talk us through that first run when you're a buck fifteen, and you were set out to go for your two k run? Talk us through it. So yeah, so, <laughs> so that's, uh, when I was um, when I decided, I woke up that morning and I was like, enough's enough. I've got to do something about this. Um, uh, I don't know what it looked like. I didn't know what the plan was, but I thought, oh, I've seen people run 10 kilometres. I've seen those 10K events. What I'll do is I'll set out and I'll just run 10K. That'll be good. That'll be my start. And I, uh, I wake up, put the, the running shoes on, put the oversized, I think I had board shorts on and I walked <laughs> like a, just wow. a Jackie Howe singlet on. And off I went. And um, I think it went for about 30 minutes. And during that time, I think I dry reached a few hundred times. I, I, I'm sure I vomited, um, walked, swore a lot. And uh, about two k's in, I, I had a gut fall. So I got to a pay zone and I rang my mum and she came and picked me up. <laughs> and then a star was born. <laughs> a star was born. And, and neck minute... You're running what? Like some mornings you run up to like 70 k's and then have a you know have a little bit of a rest and go coach your marathon and triathletes and then you have another 20 k run in the other. Is that right? Yeah. So so obviously I didn't set out for the 2 k one morning and then the next day I woke up and ran 70 k. Yeah. It's sorry. Been a, uh, it's been one hell of a ride. Uh, it's been about 10 years of just consistent. Like that's one thing. I by no means is there any sort of natural ability with me athletically um, but one thing I do pride myself on is just being consistent and uh, methodical and disciplined um, so yeah so now I've got an event coming up in um, in a few weeks so my week looks like about 200 200 k's running a week um, and obviously I am a triathlon coach which I've got to coach my squad in the morning um, the great people at Tri-Nation Triathlon Training. Give them a quick shout-out. Um, and that's at, uh, and that's up at 5.30. Normally out of bed about 3, quarter past 3, and I hit the road at uh, 3.30 and get a couple of hours in before I train them. And then uh, uh, when I'm finished there, I go again for another couple of hours. Mate. And then I, then I do the rest of my part-time job. Unbelievable. So for everyone out there who's listening who say they've got excuses and they're too busy, and Timmy, I know you would love this one because he's a big fan of uh, saying you're not too busy, 
But, um, you know, get up at 3.30 like Tim and have a real crack. Have yeah, a go, well, you mug. This is what I mean. I think I think in this day and age, it's too disposable life, isn't it, Tim? And, and I think everyone just kind of gives up very easily without understanding uh, the desire of what, what you need to actually achieve something. And I think you've just proven there that if you want it bad enough, you'll do it. Well, that, yeah, I mean, Cal, I couldn't have said that any any better myself, I guess. I guess my whole premise is, uh, of, my, of when I coach or, or I have a, a, a sort of a public speaking slash goal setting program, and the whole premise of that is not everyone is going to win. In fact, there's usually only ever one winner. But what you can do is try your best and want for more. And, and that's attitudinal. So if you've got the right attitude, then you're always going to win. You know, it sounds corny and cliche, but if you work hard, keep pushing, and you're better than what you were yesterday, then you've won. Yeah. You know, you, you, the, the whole society spends too much time trying to compare, you know, make us compare ourselves with the person sitting next to us instead of just comparing to who we were yesterday. And if we keep getting better, well, then eventually we'll win. Yeah, that's right. And I think I think people don't understand, you know, failure is is quite acceptable. You know, there's nothing wrong with failing. It's, uh, well, it's absolutely. Just, I think it's, it's another... especially with you guys and, 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 and who you've spoken to us uh, over the first 20-odd weeks of the podcast is that professional sports people fail far more often than they succeed. You know, there's only one team that wins the NRL Premiership every year. That's right. So that means 15 teams have failed, but they learn from that. So you, as long as you're learning from your mistakes, they're not mistakes. That's yeah, correct. exactly. And Timmy, you, you touched on an event you said you've got coming up. Do you want to talk us through that? Yeah, so last year I did a um, uh, a multi a multi day uh, multi stage ultra marathon through the Simpson Desert in Australia called the Big Red Run, and and I, and I was having a good event, but then unfortunately just had a little bit of a mishap with the body. Uh, managed to get to the end, but wasn't wasn't overly happy with the result. Um, so. There was a few of us that decided to enter an event in the Grand Canyon. So it's called the uh, Grand to Grand Ultra Marathon. It's actually through the Grand Canyon over uh, in the US, and it's 270 kilometres over six stages. Fucking hell. Tim, look, I'm not going to lie to you. I got a helicopter in the Grand Canyon, and I was fucked after that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is, a, um, there is a concern, yeah, that... Uh, but uh, it's something like five and a half thousand metres of elevation gain over 250 k's, which is quite, well, I, I perceive to be phenomenal. Um, and it's not just running trails. There's a lot of rock climbs and sand dunes and, yeah, et cetera, et cetera. Wow. So, it, it, le- it leads me into something I've seen on, on Netflix, which kind of got me really intrigued. For ultra ultra runners, is the, is the Barkley event? Um, I, like for, for those that don't know, it's a uh, you've got to, you've got to apply to be a part of it, and there's only so many runners, and it's um, I, I can't remember, is it is it like five marathons or something like that in a, in, in a time set? Yeah, so you've got. I think uh, from memory, yeah, it's, uh, that, that that event is absolutely on my bucket list. I. Although the more I watch the Netflix doco, the more insane I think one has to be. So, um, so you're yeah, insane, it's, basically. It's That's what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's something like I think you have to do five laps in 60 hours, and I think each lap 
and I stand to be corrected, it's like 20 miles. It's, it's, it's based just under a marathon, I believe. Yeah, that's but right. I, yeah. But that's and, what they and, said. They said it. To, they said sometimes it's longer, but they will always say it's 20 miles. Yeah, yeah, because, yeah because the idea is that you run from um, sort of, you, you have to navigate it yourself, basically just using your compass and it's thick bush and it's, it's like going up. I think it, you, it's equivalent to going up and down Everest twice over the course of the event. So, and it's through thick bush and you have to, you get given a number and that number you have to run around and rip out pages. Books. Yeah, that's right, pages of, of a book. Books. Yeah, so, I mean, if you get lost, that's, that's on you. Um, yeah. And the, the cut-off time. I think I think the event's been going for 15 years, and I th- oh, 18 years, and I think there's been 15 finishes. Yeah, or something like that. Yeah, something. I think it's even less than that to be told. Though. I yeah, think it's something I, like 11. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think the I think some people finished it twice. Yeah, that's so, it. Yeah. So that's yeah, so some phenomenally low number. Um, but and, no Aussies have done it, though, are, mate. People I've spoken to that have done it, brutal is all they say. So is it is that on your bucket list? Do you reckon, Tim? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I've got a few. There's, there's that one, and then there's uh, um, a race uh, through Death Valley uh, in in the states. Sounds that, enticing. That I, <laughs> it's called it's it's called Bad Water. It's 135 miles straight. That's oh. 217 kilometres. But the, that what gets what gets you there is, I think you started about 50 foot and above sea level and finished about four and a half thousand. And it's considered to be one of the hottest places on earth. Oh, far! What, what uh, sort of temperatures are we talking? Well, I think it gets up to fifty-five centigrade. Oh, fuck that! Yeah, yeah. Not so that, so that's also that probably that is yeah. Those two events are probably my top two. I think bad water. Um, if the organisers are listening to this podcast, and just keep that in mind when you get my application. I <laughs> <laughs> oh, love your work, Timmy. And uh, mate, anything else on exciting on the horizon? Mate, absolutely. So, um, as you, you hinted at before, Sash, we met each other a couple of weeks ago um, uh, over in Thailand, um, where me and a, a couple of really good friends of mine have decided to turn our passion for both travel and fitness uh, into uh, what we hope is going to be a, success, a successful business um, called Elevate Fitness Escape. So, that's, that's where we take a group of like minded people. Um, and we head over to, well, I mean, you were there, the, the absolute paradise, yep. paradise of location. Um, and we, we work out. We, we sort of want to challenge them, not only physically, but emotionally, culturally. Um, so we take them out of their comfort zone. We do exercises they're not used to. But then we go zip lining or we'll do high ropes courses and stuff like that. Um, and then... And uh, yeah, and that goes. For, they take them for about a week, and that's that's our that's our next big goal is to get that off the ground and get that really successful. And, and like I said, combine our passion for fitness and travel to to really you know embrace what that looks like, and and, and hopefully along the way you have a pretty good time doing it. Well, Tim, um, I'm not, not going to tell a lie. I, I was quite jealous of the fact that a couple of the people were asked. And the bald kid, the little fat bald kid in the corner, didn't get an invite. Timmy, I was heartbroken. Timmy, if I can just jump in here just to rub it in even more, Elevate Fitness Escapes done a fantastic job. 
They looked after us. There was meals all day, <sighs> at night, really good food, great accommodation, worked out two, three times a day. There was, Timmy, there was running, there was um, hit sessions, there was strength sessions, there was yoga, uh, there was Muay Thai kickboxing. We went to a Muay Thai kickboxing event, mate. I would recommend it to anyone. The best thing about it, it's not like your glitz and glamour little fitness mm. escapes. We have to be cut like a picnic lunch or have a set of bolt-ons. Mm. It was literally like every man, um, every lady, woman, whatever, um, is invited um, and they all felt comfortable. We had two yeah. 50-year-old uh, Italian women on there. You, oh, you, know, you love the Italian women. Hey, Mamma Mia. <laughs> um, and, you know, they had you know, four kids and, and all the rest of it. Yeah. They'd never been away from their partners and they had a great time over there and everyone fit in. At the end of the day, not only did we come back fitter and healthier, but we also come back with a new group of friends. So. Yeah, definitely. Well, no, it sounds fun, Tim. And, again, I'm sure we can, on the next one, we can actually take the crew over there and do the podcast show from there. Yeah, well, I, I, I mean, I'd love to. The, the, only, the only issue there is we have a one Englishman only policy. Yes, yeah, I'm Italian. That, like, that, that's flag <laughs> along. I'm an, I'm an Aussie, mate. I'm a, I've got a passport. <laughs> Fair dinkum. And he pretty well ruined it for everyone. <laughs> yeah, he, he definitely did, didn't he? Well, Timmy, we've got to wrap it up now, mate. But thank yep. you very much for your time you, and Tim. coming on. Um, we haven't had an ultra marathon runner on the show before, so mate, really appreciate your time. No worries, legends, and um, I'll let you know how it all goes in six weeks' time. Excellent. We'd love to have you back on, Tim. It was great, a great pleasure right. talking to you, mate. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Right. See you, mate. What an inspiration. That to think that he couldn't even complete two Ks, uh, yeah. and he had to get his mum to pick him up, and here he is talking about doing the Barclay. And I'm telling you, if you if you've got Netflix, I would watch that documentary because it is it actually gets you exhausted just watching it. That's what I mean. Watching it's too hard for me. You got to walk out. We've got to grab her. <laughs> got to well, turn it on. Forget me password. Anyone? I, I hate the word can't, and I yeah. just uh, and I, well can't. I said. Yeah. Not what I always call you. Oh. <laughs> All right. But, um, yeah, I, I, and it just goes to prove that if you want to do it and, and you've got the desire to do it, then you can do it. Exactly right. And, and as um, Timmy said, he hates the word busy. It's never too busy. If you're getting up at seven bells and you're going, I'm too busy, mate, Timmy's been up for three and a half hours and ran 485,000 kilometres. So, um, yeah, well, here you are on the uh, Sport Project podcast. Again, Instagram account at TSP Podcast. Get on it, follow it. Make sure you download the podcast and have a listen. We're having a good time here and so should you. Welcome back to the Sport Project Podcast and we're going to talk all things Rugby Union. Rugby Union! Now, Bledisloe Cup this Sunday, ANZ Stadium. Um, It starts the Rugby Championship though, doesn't it? The Rugby Championships with... Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, and Argentina. Argentina, yeah. Yeah, so it starts. And obviously the opening game is the Blooders Low Cup, which, to be honest, Australia need to wrestle it back. They've not had it for a long, long, long time. Uh, one, I really appreciate how you emphasise the G in longer. Yes, well, um, it is English. And secondly, you are correct. So I think it's 2002 was the last time we won a Blooders Johnny Johnny was captain. <laughs> But when was the last time you won one, mate? Never. So well, shut your fucking mouth. I mean, uh, <laughs> we we don't we don't participate in the Bledisloe. Yeah, good chat. Um, but anyway, Bledisloe Cup this weekend. I've got a prediction. Have you? I've got a prediction. Go on. I think the Wallabies are going to win the first one. Yeah. And then we're going to get smoked like a cigar for the second and third. It's what happens every year. We win the first one, and then the Australian newspapers go, "This is the year we're turning it around." And the yep. All Blacks go, "Actually, you know, we're going to start playing now, and uh, we're going to beat you guys." 
but they do have a good team. How how do the All Blacks maintain this dominance? I just think there's a lot of sides that are coming close, but they're just never close enough, are they? That's through grassroots rugby. And they just maintain this dominance that have been around for a long, long time. It's cool. amazing. It's great to see them in all nations like Argentina, though, obviously, you know, being part of such a championship. And they have been now for, I think, a number of years. And that's only going to increase um, in their, their their stealth and their, their challenging for, for bigger competitions in the World Cup. But, again, I, I just think New Zealand are going to be too strong. Look, it starts from grassroots rugby. They have a really good channel within the super rugby and then into international rugby. But yep. not only that, it's their passion. Do yourselves a favour and watch the Australian team sing the national anthem and watch the New Zealand All Blacks firstly do the anthem and then do the haka. Yep. Mate, it, it, it's totally different uh, and the passion is there. Um, when they wear that All Blacks jersey, it is truly like the biggest honour mm. of their lives to wear that jersey. Where I don't think we have that same... Um, well, I, well, I probably agree. I think, and we've we've discussed it previously, but I think the Super Rugby uh, or the Super the Super Rugby franchise needs to change. Yep, <clears throat> because it's obviously not working for any other nation apart from New Zealand. Yeah, um, and uh, I think there was a, there was an article that was put up on our uh, sport podcast Facebook, so Sport Project, sorry, Facebook, uh, that was discussing that Robbie Deans was talking about it. So it's really interesting. I think you should you should you should watch that article. But bottom line is. <clears throat> Club rugby in Australia is, if not dead and buried, well, it's uh, really non-existent. No, if you and you've only got the GPS competition, then the schoolboy rugby. Get, yeah. Where do you get your players? And if you think about it, you know, rugby league have come in and nabbed Angus Crichton uh, and stuff like that. You know, there's there's still players coming from rugby union going to rugby league. Well, you got the Shoot Shield in Sydney, which is a good competition, but outside of that, you got nothing. You know, mm. um, they've tried the NRC and the ARC to get up um, into the uh, Super Rugby teams, but it's just not. We just don't have the depth. One of our guys gets injured, that's it. You know, still we're still calling on the likes of Will Genia, who went overseas and then he's come back um, and he's been playing some good footy. So I'm not going to hold that against him. But we need to be blooding, in my opinion, we need to be blooding new guys coming through, like your likes of Adam Coleman. He's now in the starting side for the Wallabies. They blooded him about a, two years ago, and now he's in the starting team and he's absolutely killing it. I used to play with Adam back in the day yeah. in Canberra, Uni Norse Rugby. And, um, mate, he was just a, he was a big kid back then and he's sort of just developed and now he's absolutely killing it. So um, I think that we've got to start at the grassroots and we've got to build up. Um, we've got to blood some new players. But in saying that, we do have a pretty good side. If you look at the likes of Israel Folau, Kirtley Beal. Kirtley Beal's been on fire. Yeah, an absolute blind against the Irish. Where's he been playing inside, inside or outside? Inside, center? outside, yeah. He's, he's been um, all over the shop, but he's just mm. been playing so well. Israel Folau at the back, he's safe as houses. Yeah. It's about the only thing he took from AFL because he didn't really take much else. Um, Hooper is captain. Love that bloke. He's aggressive. Pocock's back in the side. Yeah. Um, you've got Tafu Pilota now back in the side too. Um, but yeah. My my favourite player of all time is Matt Tamua, so Matt he's, he's he's a, he's a number ten for the Brumbies, um, and I still remember as I was sinking cans up in the stands. Didn't even mean to like, rhyme that. That's how good I am. Yeah, um, good. yeah thank you very good. much. So he was in the reserve team. Um, sorry, the reserves for the Brumbies. The Brumbies would play, and if the reserves didn't play, they'd have to do sprints and stuff at the end of the end of the match. So we used to sit, sit up the top there, sink and piss, and then you'd watch Matt Tamua after everyone has done. So he's done his sprints for after afterwards, and everyone goes back in the change rooms. He'd be out there still sprinting for another 20, 30 minutes, just putting in the hard yards, and then he finally got a start with the Brumbies, took it by the hands, grabbed it by the cool. balls, and kicked.
killed it, then started playing the Wallabies, and then he's sort of missing for a little bit, and now he's back in the side in the reserve. So I'm excited to see him back on the field. Uh, is George Gregan playing and David Campeza? Are you asking about George Gregan because you two have the same haircut? Well, we are both good-looking eggs. Yeah, no, um, George Gregan is now owns coffee shops. Oh, respect. Um, and he hasn't played since 1927. <laughs> and Cam hasn't played since the 1800s. Well, we wish the Australian Wallabies all the best, but I just think it's going to be a step too far. And, and uh, my personal thing is that I think New Zealand, uh, the All Bucks are going to be too strong. Yeah, I agree, mate. Too much passion, too much depth. But well, um, we, we, should, we hope it's a good game. That's the most yeah. important thing. All right, going straight into the NRL. Yeah. So the Rabbits, uh, they got beat off. The the Chucks dropped the ball, and then they got beaten last night. This will air on Monday, obviously, but we're doing it on a Friday. They got beaten on the Thursday night game against Brisbane. Now I watched the game. Brisbane came out firing, and I mean firing. All the play was Brisbane, and uh, the Rabbits struggled to even get a grip on the game. Uh, again, short turnaround for the Rabbits. Four days uh, from the previous game with the uh, with the Roosters. So, you know, a lot to do, a lot of prehab. Uh, and I, obviously doing the sit at the surf with the boys, he said, listen, it's a pretty easy week this week, training-wise, purely because bodies are sore. Yeah. Um, but I think it does have an effect with four-day turnaround on sides. But again, I'm not. you're not throwing out the baby with the bathwater. I think they'll be there or thereabouts when it comes to the finals. Uh, obviously, they've probably got a berth already into the top four, but I just think that they'll be very strong. I think their, their timing there run very, very well. Uh, and I think it's going to be – I think the Roosters as well are very strong. Go the Chooks. I was just about to mention that. So, real bad start to the season, the Chooks. Everyone wrote us off. You know, you've got the superstar team on paper. You're not playing well as a team. Now, look, you had a couple of games under your belt. Well, you don't, you don't win a competition in April, do you? Correct. And we've really hit our straps at the um, end of the season. I just hope we haven't hit them too soon because we've had this done in a couple of previous seasons. And when we hit the finals, we come out all guns are blazing first half and we're winning by 20, 30 points. And then we just drop the ball in the second half, we sort of die off. So I'm hoping the Chooks can um, go all the way this year again and, and take out the flag. But the South's very disappointing. You know, they started poorly this season. They really ramped it up and they were number one. Yep. And now, they, like you said, lost two on the trot. And especially um, the Brisbane last night, that was a convincing loss. Uh, it was. Do you know what, though? It got to about, I think, 10, 10 before the 80. And... The rabbits really clawed it back. They did really well, and then obviously there was two two tries to the Broncos, and it just kind of blew blew the Broncos away. But again, you've got that fight. I think George and Tom have been outstanding in the front row. But it was it was it was it was a really good game to watch. Uh, just unfortunate for the rabbits, they probably didn't have the depth that they they needed, and it looks like. Um, an injury, a slight injury to Adam Reynolds as well. So hopefully he'll get over that. But more, every all the talking points at the moment. And uh, it's all about the coaching dramas. It's absolutely crazy. Trent Barrett comes yeah. out. Yeah, has he resigned? Hasn't he resigned? He's gone to a press conference. He can't talk about has it. Has he been asked to leave? Yeah. Oh, well, you don't know what's going wow. on. Lyle Gorman, what can't convince anyone that he knows what's going on. Then you've got uh, Wayne Bennett absolutely being hounded by journalists. He's going, listen, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, I am contracted to 2019. You think the journalist would give it a rest? And then they're all attacking. They're attacking Anthony Seabold, going, "So are you going to go to the Broncos? We hear you're going to the Broncos." Anthony Seabold's a pretty fair man. I've known Anthony for a long time, and and he's a pretty fair bloke. And he just turned around and said, "I, you know, I'm getting very disappointed in this." And he said, "I've been very fair with the media, and he has. He's let them in more than any other coach into the inner inner realms of of South Sydney." And here they are now trying to just fight for blood. The the, the fact of the matter is, people have got contracts and they're honouring. 
Uh, if uh, and again, I, I I really think that the national governing body, the NRL, can change this by turning around and saying, listen, if you sign for anyone, whether you be a coach or a player, that you're not allowed to release it until the final whistle of the grand final. I, I just put it to bed, uh, and everyone can talk, everyone can do rumours, but again, they're not a liberty essay. And once they get that under the belt, all this, all these questions will stop. Well, it disrupts the whole team. You know, it's not not only that person and the the people involved um, directly, but it, it disrupts the whole team. Yeah, it's terrible. It's terrible, and I just think it. You know, it's not fair on the coaches. We should be talking about the great things in the game and not not all this negative stuff. Just really annoys me because uh, the game is a lot better than that. You know, we should be talking about. No, you know what I do? What I discuss after hearing that. Winks is running on Saturday, so this will come out on Monday. Really? She's equaling Black Caviar. Um, if she wins on Saturday, which is tomorrow, then she will be one better than Black Caviar, probably the, the, the greatest race horse that Australia's ever seen. That's crazy, isn't it? And she's still number two in the world. How does that work out to an American horse? Typical Yanks. Well, Trump probably owns it. <laughs> <laughs> but finish it off. All right, we'll finish it off here, guys. Thank you very much for tuning in to the Sport Project podcast. Remember, like, listen, share, subscribe, and yeah. Send nudes. Send yeah. nudes if you want. Instagram, Facebook, we're all there. At TSP Podcast. That's correct. <laughs> I'll download it, <laughs> get the password, and I'll be the first to look at your nude photographs. God bless. That's the way it's going to be, little darling. Little darling. We'll go riding on the horses. Horses, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, that's a wrap.